It says we're live, but there's no counter. Okay. There yep. cool. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fan Fuel. This is episode number 29. We're close approaching a full cup season uh, worth of episodes on our own, so this is pretty good. Uh, this this week, it's going to be a Walker Joke special, um, and it's going to be based on NASCAR's past history with calls, whether or not they've been good or not. Um, and we're going to get through all the controversies that the three of us have gotten in. I'm joined, as always, by Nathan Ball and Colton Cranmore uh, doing a dab for us all. Dab more. Uh, <laughs> and he's really and I'm Alex Harrington. <laughs> so um, Jared's not with us tonight. Uh, he is at football practice because if you missed his show earlier this year, he has like 14 different part-time jobs, one of which is being a football coach at one of his local schools there. So I uh, hope that's going well up there in Pennsylvania. Uh, I know we're hot as balls down here in Alabama. How are you two guys doing? Uh, it's been pretty hot down here too. Um, before I moved last week, our air conditioning was out for three days. Um, it's pretty rough, but I'm pretty sure there is fixed now. Um, I don't have any problems here because we just moved here a few days ago. It's nice up here. It's not too hot. I mean, we have a chance for tornadoes tomorrow, so you got to watch the weather. But Well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. yeah, nothing much. I know. We live in a small little tornado out here. Yeah, nah, tornadoes, whatever. Uh, yeah. So um, what can I what can I say? Let's get started this weekend. Um, very up and down weekend, uh, to say the least. Let's go ahead and start with uh, the first race of the weekend, and I, that was the – IndyCar race. So, how did you guys find that race? I thought for myself it was the best of the weekend. Yeah, I was pretty entertained. Um, there was a lot of things going on. It was a competitive race. Um, I figured it wouldn't disappoint. It never really does in IndyCar, but I do kind of feel bad for Alex Pillow. He was set to extend his lead to a full race over uh, second place, and he blows his, I think, third or fourth engine on the year. Nobody else has even blown two. And here he is. Now his league got cut from 50 to 20, and he's going to have to take a fourth engine penalty at some point this year. So it's getting harder and harder and harder for him to keep the points lead. Yeah, it was good. I didn't catch the whole race, but definitely the best of the weekend. Um, sucks to see what happened to Pelot, but, I mean, it is what it is sometimes. Um, that's just part of racing. You know, equipment is just much of a valuable or as a, as a variable as the drivers are. Um, yeah, definitely the best of the weekend. Um, I think those cars are perfect for that track, unlike the big-ass heavy stock cars. Yeah, and uh, we'll definitely get to what happened with some big heavy stock cars a little, little bit later. Um, I I will say again, uh, I thought it was the best race of the weekend. I mean, we saw 85 straight laps, barring the cautions that did come out towards the end, um, and there was a ton of strategy. It was really interesting because some of the guys that were running blacks um, were – coming in before the guys that were running reds on that initial run. And I thought that was very interesting because that's not something you do. Cause with, with uh, the Firestone tires for Indy, the, the red tires are the option tire. They are the softer tire, but they were leaving on the black primary tires longer. Um, uh, leave it on the reds longer than the black. So it was very interesting to see the different varying strategies of that race. And we saw the lead shuffle many times because people were on such different strategies. It, it all worked out in the end. Um, to just um, to just bring it uh, the, the the race home, and man, I'm not doing really good right now with words, so I apologize. Um, Talking is hard, man. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was indeed the best race of the weekend. I enjoyed it. Um, like Colton said, those cars put on a really good show at that track. Something that I was scared of the black skeptical about when we went to it uh, in the Indy car, I think seven years ago now. Uh, 2013, the first race that was there. Yeah. Thanks. Around there. Um, Nathan, Alex Flow is getting penalized because he's going to be using another engine. So this is something that I wasn't aware of outside of mm -hmm. Formula One where we have components yeah. and stuff like that. But aren't IndyCar engines provided by the supplier? Like Chevy and oh, Honda man. give the team's engines? Like I, I'm a little bit confused. Um, I, it's confusing for me. Um, I actually read an article about it this morning. I still don't understand it. I probably have to read through it again because I was just scrolling through it on the treadmill and saw that. But I do kind of feel bad for him though, because it's at that point, it's just insult to injury because he's gone through so many. Um, he hasn't really set a foot wrong all year as a driver. I think the only two times he finished outside the top seven were mechanical failures. So Either way, he's going to have to do it again because I know in Nashville he had a grid penalty for an engine, came from the back to finish top 10. I don't know how many places it is, but I would assume it's like six maybe. That's my guess. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think it basically prevents him from getting pole at all. Um, yeah. I, I did want to say that the championship points battle getting knocked down like that is actually going to be something that is really interesting going on. We've got, what, five races left in the season. Um, yeah. And that should close it up. I mean, you got five guys right there now who just took 20-something points out of Pelot's lead that could potentially win. I mean, you're talking about Pato Award, who is right there, um, who can come our way with, with a basically a historic win uh, and be, I guess, one of the more, de more decorated, if not most decorated, drivers out of Mexico ever and then you've got scott dixon looming to get a get another championship and and by our indycar look that's what's gonna happen oh i'm so, sure it's gonna happen <laughs> i i will refuse to believe otherwise until i see yeah. it differently like if there's any guy that's gonna get lucky it's gonna be him yeah well i don't know because marcus erickson is also in the hunt and he got lucky enough to go flying yeah. at nashville and come back and win maybe he can pull off something in these last couple of races yeah and i gotta give a shout out to um if you guys saw the race, there's a kid named Christian Lungard. He actually, he's brand new from Formula 2. He's never seen an IndyCar. He did one test. He qualifies fourth in his first ever race, and I think he finished 12th around there. But either way, that's crazy. I didn't think that somebody was just going to show up like that and do so good. Yeah, and uh, during the qualifying, uh, I want to I say it was Friday night. Um, yeah. that, was, that was a very interesting thing to watch because – he had pole provisionally for, I want to say, 30 seconds to a minute while everybody else was finishing their last laps. And I was like, holy shit, this dude's never even been in an Indy car, and he's going to he's gonna lead the way on Saturday's race. That didn't wind up happening, and uh, that wasn't the only race that happened Saturday. Uh, the first of the two NASCAR races on the uh, road course there at Indy this weekend saw the second edition of this Xfinity race, and... Not nearly as exciting as the first one, from my opinion. What did you guys think about it? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I didn't see the whole thing. I probably saw the last um, third of it. I had watched highlights on and off when I was out of the house, but the start was kind of humorous. They all just bounced over the curb. Um, I saw Sam – people were mad at Chase Elliott. They said, you know, he ran Sam Mayer off the track, and 
at that point, I think Mayer just tried to get around the curb, and then at that point, he was in the grass. So I don't know. It was a weird race. I think the curbs kind of were the whole story for it. Other than that, I think there were no cautions later in the race, and Cindric was pretty much gone. Yeah, I mean, it was an all right race. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely the best of the NASCAR races that weekend. Um, but like Nate said, at the beginning, it was <clears throat> it already kind of snuck up the show with all the cars hitting the turtle like that. Um, I know I thought Harrison Burton was about five and a half feet off the ground with his with his front end there. Um, but I mean, it was it was good. I'd like to see more competition out of it, and um, I think it'll be better as they keep going along. I know we did have quite a bit of Cup guys in that field that were. Um, they weren't necessarily making the show any better just because they were in there for seat time to try to get some laps in before Sunday. Um, but, I mean, all in all, I thought it was a pretty good race. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't really like that race too much. Um, I don't know if it's a factor of it being too short or if it's the same thing I always complain about with having stage cautions on road courses. But I think, for me, what happened is it showed just how bad the track is actually for – stock cars because it didn't put on that good of a race last year until those final restarts because anything that we do restart wise in nascar is chaotic and that's the only reason that those last few laps were good last year and i would say i mean chase briscoe still easily walked away with that win last year and so i mean we saw what we thought we were going to see with the cindric going out there and pretty much dominating yeah there was a bunch of contenders taken out with that lap one crash with that curb. But um, that's, I mean, it, it was just, it was just a mad race and we can't really be having that in my opinion, if we're going to be going to new places. Um, but moving on to Sunday, I will put a caveat here before we get to the meat of what we're going to do. And that's controversy with NASCAR calls uh, from Woka joke today. How do you guys feel about that race from lap one to lap, let's say, 75, 78, before that last string of cautions? I, I would say it was okay. Um, it wasn't really bad. It wasn't really that good either. Um, I was fine with it. I was kind of hoping to see Larson get the win because I wanted to see the storyline of he comes back from winning the Knoxville Nationals, gets like two hours of sleep, qualifies at 9 a.m., and then puts four seconds on the best road racer in sport. Like that stuff doesn't happen that often. And I think if he won that race, it would have been a crazy story. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was a pretty good race for a Roval. Um, yeah. You know, for a Roval race. Um, I'm still more of a fan of if we're going to go to road courses. Yeah. Road courses. Don't turn oval tracks into circuits. Just let's go to road Atlanta. Let's go to mid Ohio. Montreal. Let's go. Montreal. Yeah. I mean, there are dozens yes. of places. And I parked on this all year, um, but it was good for the, for a Roval race standard. Um, I Nate, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I was hoping Larson wouldn't win because I didn't want to hear Rick Allen come up with this BS figment of the Knoxville Indy Double that doesn't exist. Now, he only does that for certain drivers. I don't think he really does that for Larson that much. He, he, he would have made something up with two to go. Yeah, yeah but I, that's when I just put the TV on mute and I enjoy that. Yeah, he didn't watch it. listen to MRN. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me. I thought the first, we'll say 65, 70% of the race was fantastic. Um, there was a lot of varying strategy at, at the front. Um, and to my dismay, I think that is definitely because of the stages. Uh, you saw two stage wins from Tyler Reddick, who, of course, stayed out. Um, something that we talked about last week that I thought was interesting was, like, if he goes out here and does better than 
Austin Dillon, then Austin's out of it. Well, as far as those first two stages, Austin was right there on his ass. He gained three points in two mm-hmm. stages. Now, of course, he gained a lot more because Austin Dillon had a tragedy strike at the end of that race with everybody else. But it's like Austin Dillon was watching Fan Fuel last week and was like, shit, I got to get good at road courses. And he did. I mean, he put yeah. on a hell of a show uh, for, for, for the first half of that race. And I thought it was it was interesting to see the different players because you can tell that they're racing for the championship spots versus the actual race, which is what we saw with, you know, the Larsons and the, the Hamlins and, and, and uh, the Elliots doing the whole day. And once we got to the end, strung out just like it had been all year, the five, the nine, 24 was up there a little bit, you know, standard racing. That's a part of NASCAR, though. That's part of any racing series. Guys are going to click on the setup one week, and they're going to repeat to do it um, if – they're at similar tracks, and an organization is going to be dominant, and that's why uh, NASCAR changed the nose for the 550 tracks for the Chevys, and, you know, they're just hitting it on road courses now. So that's what we kind of had to deal with. However, after those last set of um, cautions, I mean, let's just start off. Um, was the rest of that race woke or joke? It's a joke. It's a joke. They would go like two corners. They would crash. Even if the curves didn't get them, they were still bound to crash anyways with how they were driving. So it was just, I don't know. It felt like it was just a rental car race with kids. Yeah, I think there's only only two people in the entire world that thought the last 10 or so laps of that race was good. Um, And that's Clint Boyer and probably one of the Steves. I don't even think both of them liked it. Um, But I know one of them definitely did. Um, I mean – race was a complete joke um come to about 10 to go there with those last string of costumes um i mean and it's stuff that we all knew was going to happen right i mean we saw all of this coming we knew it was gonna you know the top was gonna boil over eventually and it did sorry about that um yeah for me uh definitely uh, well go ahead and keep talking <laughs> Oh. I'm some space here while Alex's dog yeah. breaks out. I think he's just going to go get it. <laughs> he's still barking. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it's short intermission. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and fan fuel's back. Um, <laughs> I'm not as good as at filling dead space as you are. Yeah, well, uh, it would it would be my mic that has the uh, attack dogs in the background. Um, Snouzers are loud uh, for future reference. Um, yeah, so for me, the Woker joke on the race. Um, it kind of leads me into the main topic of our discussion today and that is nascar calls of the past um so for me it's a joke because i mean if you're looking at the background that we have if you're watching this live on on twitter um i mean you would think that we're looking at a super speedway this this happened at a road course uh 
I, I don't I don't really have words. I, I tell you what I was doing Sunday. I was screaming at at, at at the TV. I was screaming at NASCAR. I was flanting around. I was yelling. I was livid because not only exact that is exactly what I was doing. <laughs> Punching the air, just Ugh! I was just really fucking mad. Because you got people who spend their lives to get to a Cup Series team and to work on a car just to watch it destroyed for no good reason. We saw earlier during this race that the um, curb in question in turn six had to be cut apart because it was sticking up. So there's your first your first red flag. Then we have a whole fucking splitter and oil pan under the some bitch. That's your second red flag, and then eventually we take it off. Like I, I, I don't know how NASCAR can live with itself because they've extended now a two-and-a-half, three-hour window to four hours. We had 51 minutes between the yellow flag with six to go and the green flag coming back out for that first green-white checker, and, and, and it was just atrocious, right? Everything about that last half – of the broadcast, which was only about what six or seven laps uh, plus the overtimes, was a joke. I don't know what they were thinking, and in my mind, we should have called that race. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but if if part of the track is is being ruined, we should have called the race. You know, I think it's a good question. Um, obviously, it was kind of really late in the going; like there was not many laps left. I was thinking that the red was going to be a lot longer. Um, Either way, I, I was honestly laughing more than anything because I was just like, this is so bad, it's hilarious to watch. Like, the first crash with the curve, um, it felt like Talladega Nights. It's like, you know, they just kept wrecking and wrecking and wrecking. It was like, they could go to commercial and come back and they'd still be piling into the tires. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. It was like a movie. Yeah, and I alluded to it earlier. I mean, we all knew, to your point, Alex, punch in the air. We all knew what was going to happen after that first one, even at the, the first one when all the cars hit the curb. Um, and Willie B got his radiator ripped out and spit water everywhere. I mean, the, the curb was ripping splitters off of cars before right. that even happened, right? The lap before with Martin Truex, why was there no caution calls? Well, I heard that, you know, some of the officials can't really see it and they rely on the TV cameras and TV didn't show it. Why are we at the greatest venue of motorsports in the United States and we don't have officials at every corner or officials all over the track? Like, it shouldn't have even gotten to that point. NASCAR proves is about like it's a fucking sport. It's not. They're a fucking entertainment business, and it's I'm tired circus. of shit. Yeah, it's a circus. It's a circus. That's if exactly what it turned me, into. If y'all follow me on Twitter for that hour, red flag, caution to fix and take away the curb, um, I probably said it two or three times. Like, if they don't take that turtle out, the first lap through there, someone's going to hit it. Sure as shit. What did Mike McDowell do? <laughs> Caught with his right sides and flung back into traffic, causing another big-ass wreck. And you know what? They fucking wanted that. I'm, I'm guaranteeing oh, you that's sure. what NASCAR wanted. Because they don't give a shit about the actual racing. They want to put highlight reels together so they can sell tickets because, ooh, crashes. And that's exactly why the sport is drowning right now when it comes to fucking trying to get new fans. And as someone who is very passionate about this sport and motorsports in general, I'm fucking tired of it. I, I apologize for being so angry and, you know, lighting it up with the F-bomb today. But I just... This was this was something that pushed me to my breaking point. Like, we shouldn't have went back green. You can look at me and you can tell me that I'm a Denny Hamlin fan and I probably damn sure didn't want that race to go back green. But, no, it was fucking dangerous. We shouldn't have had any, any more cautions. 
after the 19 spun out and we knew that it was the curb's fault, we shouldn't have done anything. You can't change a course mid-race like that. It, it, it looks bad, and it was a joke to other people yep. who are watching oh, from other motorsports if they didn't already turn the channel because we've been in red flag for so long. And the drivers don't want to be on this road course, albeit I did like the race up until this point, and I would not mind coming back again if we did a two-date strategy. That's a different argument. The drivers didn't want to be here. Most of the diehard fans don't like road courses in general, so you're alienating them even more right. now that you have seven races on the schedule and you've taken away one of their crown jewels. W what was the whole point? You've taken everything here and you've got it on the head. Well, then you took Alex to his breaking point because you put the fucking driver's lives in danger. And I don't play with that. You put the fans' lives in danger because at this road course, they're right behind the fucking fence. Did the Brie go in those – in there, I mean, it, it most certainly had to. I mean, the guy that had Joey Logano basically in his face recording, I mean, he was like this, but, I mean, he could have got hit by a spring or, or you know, a piece of the body panel or anything. He got cut on his face or decapitated if something else gets through there. I mean, it's you, – you, you can't do this. You can't. You can't. We're not a fucking circus. We're not a demolition derby. If I want that shit – I will go pay for tickets to go fucking watch that shit. There's plenty of it out there. This is supposed yep. to be the pinnacle of stock car racing. Fucking stop ruining it to be a fucking demolition derby. All right, my rant's over. I've been saving that for three days. Okay. Uh, <sighs> I mean, you hit it on the head. Why are we why are we parading these drivers the best stock car drivers in the country? And then we go out there and see them wreck for two hours in the last ten laps of a race. On a track that we shouldn't even be on in the first place. Let's let's be honest here. Um, you alluded to it earlier. Like, let's go to actual road courses if you want to see that. Let's go to facilities who have curbing already installed. They're not just bolted onto the fucking ground. Um, you know, let's go to places like that. And to NASCAR's point, I know that they want Rex to fill their highlight reel. They want a cool thumbnail to put on YouTube and like, wow, you know, crazy finish at Indianapolis, you know, to get more clicks. Um, but I mean, all I tell new fans when I take them to the racetrack, like, hey, I know you want to see a crash because you've never been to races before. But they suck because, A, you could see someone get hurt, and then, B, they take forever to clean up. You're just sitting there watching pace laps for who knows how long. Um, I know the fans there couldn't have been terribly happy. If I bought grandstand tickets, I'd have been pissed because I got to see, you know, 80% of the race, 90% of the race, and then the last 10% took two hours because there was an hour red right. flag, and then they threw it back green with the track not even ready, and the same shit happened again. Um, and then not only that, but they're going to put this this turtle here, keep a hazard in the track. You just took away all the driver's visual cues for them hitting that corner. All weekend, they had seen that blue yeah. curve there. They knew exactly where they needed to be and aim their cars. I think that's why McDowell hit it is because he couldn't. He didn't have those visual cues. He's got a whole line of cars in front of him. Muscle memory isn't that. It doesn't take over at a track that you've only been to for two days. Um, I mean, and that's I, another thing is like they gave Bubba a penalty for avoiding that turtle. I don't understand yeah, like why you're either, like either going to make it or crash. Like you love cars. Yeah. Or you're going to make him swerve left and take out some other guys. Right. I mean, there's right. no, it's like, um, shoot. It's like the Casey Kane thing a couple of years ago at Daytona where there was a spinning car coming behind him. He's entering the pits. He speeds up to avoid the car and they give him a speeding penalty. It's like you either speed or you get taken out. Like what, which one do you pick? They're right. both bad. I mean, obviously, NASCAR should look at the show and say, if Casey Kane's still in this fucking race, we've got a better show because he's a race-winning driver. So yeah. they shouldn't have penalized him there.
Um, we will be getting into a lot more of these calls a little bit later. Um, I do want to say something, though. Um, something that Colton just alluded to with changing the visual cues and stuff like that. You're not just changing the visual cues of this track. You've just removed probably six to eight inches of steel that they've been riding on. So now you've made a straightaway. Um, having that having that sausage curve turtle thing there as a launch pad, when the broadcasters are making fun of it there, you know you, you fucked up. Um, I mean, come on. They literally showed highlights from not only the, the, the NASCAR uh, Xfinity race, but the IndyCar race about people jumping that curve. Everybody knew this was going to happen. Why, why are we still here? Why are we still doing this? Why, why are we putting our fans at the track, like you said, through that? I was at the race at Talladega um, that took seven-plus hours. It was fun for a little bit, but at some point, even me being the race fan I am, I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. I want to go home. And I got to say that probably the majority of the people that were at Indianapolis that Sunday, um, they probably felt the same way. I'm glad you brought that up. With that being said, let's go ahead, um, unless you guys have anything else to add about this first race, uh, let's go ahead and move on. Um, Woker, joke. Woker, probably mostly joke. Um, <laughs> I'll go ahead and, and start off. So we think about um, tracks and, and doing stuff mid-race and whether or not this is okay. And and I thought about something I had heard on Scene Vault a couple uh, of months ago i think it was from episode last year and at, at north wilkesboro in 1980 um the track was crumbling under the race cars and they decided to keep on with the show rather than canceling it and repaving it and they ran 119 out of 40 400 laps under caution 52 of which they were dragging the track to try and um rein in some of the pavement that had uncrumbled I mean, let's go ahead and start our joke fest. Was this a Walker joke move from NASCAR, and was it a trend that we would see <laughs> until now? Yeah, I'd probably go with joke. Um, at what point, if you got the track coming up, I understand if you have like a quick solution, but at whatever point after, say, 20 laps under caution, 30 laps, you know, why not red flag the race? Why not call the race if you can't if you know you can't fix it? Why why run 119 laps under caution? Like that's insanity. Yeah, I mean, complete joke. As a fan, if I went to a track and something like this happened, um, which, I mean, it's been damn close to happening in my local track, I would rather them see them call the show and just say, hey, we need to get this fixed and address the issue rather than just keep, you know, putting their hand in front of my face and say, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, we got this, and me sit there, watch over a quarter of the race, run under pace lines. I mean, and this, to your point, Alex, this was a trend that would continue, but, um, I mean, complete complete joke and it started so early if you had told me this happened in the 90s I'd have, I'd have believed you but when you told me it happened in the 80s in our group chat I had to go look it up because I didn't believe you at first because I thought Bill Jr. would have had more sense than this yeah I I, I don't know um I'll obviously agree that this is a joke but I thought uh, to put this in here just based on what happened on Sunday uh, I thought this was a similar story you have fans who are there they are apparently were throwing whiskey jars beer bottles, mason jars onto the track because there was just nothing happening. They were bored out of their minds because they're just watching these these trucks drag 
you know, around the track with the with the cars, you know, following them behind the pace car. I mean, they didn't pay to see that. They paid to see a show. I'm sure everyone would have took a rain check because that's what you have to do during rain anyways. And we saw this precedent set way back in 1980, and we see it reoccur this Sunday. That's how I felt when I was watching that 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 turn six curve get towed away. Everyone at the track was cheering, but I was just sitting here shaking my head in just embarrassment that we were even going back racing. And um, I think, you know, just as back then, I feel like they would have took the rain check. I would have taken one for the team and said, let's just call this race if I was NASCAR, despite rather the fact you think that I'm biased because Denny Hamlin was leading. Um, if I was a fan of that Wilkesboro race, I'd gone out to the parking lot and, like, filled my pockets with gravel and start throwing that. <laughs> yeah, well, I <laughs> they just extended it. They've just been like, why is there, why is there more rocks on the road? Yeah, and then all, sudden, right. all 400 laps are done. <laughs> Um, this is not um, this is not the first time that we've seen something like this, though, right? We've we've seen um, the repairs at Atlanta a couple weeks ago. We've seen Dover have to repair the weepers at Texas a few years ago, um, and and they've they've done that, but it didn't really endanger the drivers, and that was the part that I didn't like about what was happening Sunday. Um, so I guess race fans are patient, but not not really on Sunday. Um, Let's let's move on to some in the past, and we'll get we'll get closer uh, to the present. And uh, I want to talk about the Regan Smith incident. I want to say it was two thousand and seven, eight, uh, two thousand eight. One of the uh, Talladega races, and the most god awful, ugly Tony Stewart paint scheme that he ever ran wound up winning because Regan Smith passed below the yellow line. Um, what was what was what was your guys' thoughts on that race in general? Um, I would go joke because first of all, the yellow line rule should only apply if you're not forced to go below the line and you still choose to go down there anyways. Then I think the passing car should get a penalty. But at the same time, the rules kind of dumb. I'm fine with it not being there at all. So I think that he was 100% forced to go below the yellow line. He had two options. It was either go down there and stay off a of Tony or stay above the line, take Tony out, and there's a good chance he takes himself out of the race too, and Paul Menard wins. So he was only going down there to protect himself and to make sure that he, number one, didn't take the leader out and didn't take himself out. You know, he didn't choose to go down there. He had to go down there to protect himself. It was 100% forced below the line. Stewart should have been the one with the penalty. I want to set up the, the timeline here for people that, don't quite remember. This was the fall of 08 that this happened. Yeah. Um, Regan ducked below Stewart, still on the track, and then Stewart swerved down. Yeah. Regan went on the flat, passed him, came up, and they finished just like that. Um, this, the race that followed this, the 2009 Spring Dagger race, was yes. the iconic moment of Kislowski doing the same exact thing, pulling out below Edwards. Edwards tried to force him low, and Kislowski just didn't go low because he knew he'd get the win taken away at that point. So, I mean, Kozlowski basically just said, F it, I'll wreck him and learn yeah. from that. And so you you talking about now two finishes in a row that would have been marred by this same rule. And I think that's a lot of the reason now why we see so much inconsistency with this yeah. is because not necessarily that they don't want the same kind of reaction they had in 08, but they don't want the same result that they had in 09. Yeah. Um, Go, I, 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 I have a damn 
I have a problem with that rule. I feel like it congests the racetrack. I know Talladega is pretty wide. Daytona is a little bit less wide. It congests the racetrack because you've restricted them. Um, it might be something that they keep it on in the turns or at this point as aggressive as, as they drive now anyways. Just let it, let the boys have at it, and if they crash, they crash. They're going to crash anyways. They're throwing these random blocks. It's just ridiculous. I just don't understand how some people can – pass and win with this rule i think it was ryan reed that did it in in the nationwide series um a couple of years ago that the rule didn't get used and then and then guys like regan smith did get penalized for it and it's just so wishy-washy and i wish nascar could come away from some of these judgment calls with that being said another uh nationwide well then xfinity uh race turned out with justin haley losing the one. daytona at the same time. So, I mean, Nathan, were you at this race? Yeah. And first of all, I'm going to shock you on this one. As much as I hate the yellow line rule, I think they did call it correctly. Um, he was not forced to go below that line. That happened maybe 50 yards below my seats. And I knew instantly the moment that happened, like, he's not going to win this race. They're going to call him. Um, if you look at the replays, there was probably a good four or five feet of space between he and the middle car. He just chose to go down there on his own accord. He never really got pushed below the line. He never got run out of space. He just went down there for whatever reason. And in his defense, I don't like the rule. I don't think it should exist at all. But at the same time, that was one of the few times they did call the rule correctly. Uh, nope. Yeah, I'll agree. Am I loaded up there? Yeah, you were yeah, frozen sorry. just for a half second mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, storms are kind of starting rolling here. Um, but I mean, I do, I do think they called it right. Um, but I mean, back to the points that we've all made. Um, it just get rid of this rule, and you wouldn't have an issue with it. You know, um, it's yeah. going to take one driver going into the turn three or, or a, yeah, turn three or turn one at one of the super speedways, um, losing it under the pack for everyone to know that they can't do that, or to go yeah. in and lift. And, break if they get forced down there and then just be pissed at the guy the rest of the week um but i mean like nate said i think they called it right there um it's still a joke that they even had to call anything yeah um i don't know this was one that put the fans and up people it actually brought back memories of that regan smith tony stewart debate debate um from 2008 when this happened i think like you guys said it was a justifiable call um, but there again, I, I just don't think it's, vi- you know, I don't, I don't think the, the, the penalty itself is viable. So I'll say it was a woke call. Uh, but I still think the whole, the whole rule is just a joke. And, um, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to another one. And this one's a big one. This one is something that I think a lot of people, um, got up in arms about, and this was spin gate. Um, I mean, my arm's not itching today, but I guess Clint Boyers was that day. Um, well, to be honest with you, I think I'm going to go woke on the fact that they did give a penalty. Um, okay. To MWR's defense, I do think that there was nothing really in the rule book at the time that said they could or couldn't. It was more of a loophole thing. They didn't cover it up well enough, and that's why they got the penalty. If they didn't have those radio communications, they probably would have got away with it. You know, I don't think anyone would have ever found out or ever caught them if they didn't make that itchy arm communication. So... But with all that being said, I think the biggest joke part of this is them adding Gordon into the chase and taking Truex out because 
I don't really think Truex was involved in the whole scandal. He was just the beneficiary. Um, he didn't really, you know, his team didn't order the 15 team to do that. He was just kind of on the sidelines. Um, I don't think it's smart to just say, hey, this is our 12 car playoffs. Let's just add a 13th car for the fun of it. Like, that's just, that's peak NASCAR. I don't think they would have done it if it wasn't Jeff Gordon. Yeah, I agree. If it were anyone else in that situation other than Jeff Gordon, they probably wouldn't have um, gave him the pass. Um, I'm going to say woke for trying it. I mean, we don't know how many times this has happened in NASCAR. Um, I would guarantee this isn't the only time. Oh, um, for sure. Like RCR even, 2011 did it. Yeah, I would say even in the last 10 years, I can probably give you half a dozen examples where this happened. Um, the joke part of this is they got caught because they didn't come up with a code word. They didn't come up with something like that. They came up with this dumbass, you know, your arm's itchy and told him for two laps and then he spun out on his own. You know, they could have just said, you know, uh, you know, I think we're take, uh, you know, right sides this next stop. Something, right? They could have done a little bit better job with that. Um, woke for trying it, though. I mean. I don't know. Um, yeah, I kind of agree that it was kind of a, a, a joke way to go about it. It, it probably could have been as simple as even saying something like, did you get your bubble gum today? Or some shit like that, or, or, or something just random ass shit like that. Yeah. Or who do you think is going to get this win? Yeah, or yeah, something, okay. anything like that. Or how are the Titans doing? Because I, I assume that being in the playoffs, we had already started the uh, NFL season. Um, yeah. So like, I, I don't know, anything, anything like that they could have done. Um, but to me, the biggest joke was um, putting Jeff Gordon in the chase. The 13 man chase. Um, you had already had people who didn't like the chase, and then you had started implementing new rules year after year after year. And now you're going to put a 13th man there? Okay. That, it, just, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, Jeff Gordon got the short end of the stick, but I mean, how many other times has a driver blown an engine or, or had a tire failure that put them out of contention based on points because they didn't have wins that year? So it, it just. That, that's the biggest joke for me. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm going to go on into a couple more before I let you guys um, share your um, different controversies. And I'm going to go into just officiating rules in, in general. And I want to start with one that we only saw for a season and a half, and that is the overtime line. Oh, If my you gosh, don't know what it is, it is – this arbitrary line, basically, it's the exact same spot as the start-finish line, um, but on the back straightaway, so half distance around the track. And instead of coming to the white flag for your overtime to end, you have to get there. Uh, we saw some pretty silly races. Um, the William Byron win at Daytona was one that really shook the fan base with this overtime line, and I think I it eventually led to it its demise so woker joke on the overtime line that's a big joke um it doesn't make sense to me it's like yeah once you cross the white flag this is this is the race is over you know why just say hey we're gonna do the same thing but let's just move it up by half a mile like what's that gonna do you know and if anything it made them it made more finishes end under caution because they almost seemingly crashed right at the line every single time and it's just like they almost got the exact opposite of what they intended so it's just classic NASCAR. Yeah. No, I agree. This is a complete joke. Um, had you had anyone with some common sense in the boardroom when they thought of this idea, 
they would have told him exactly what we're saying now is this isn't going to work. It's going to backfire. Um, this is, I mean, it was just a stupid rule. Why do you need an overtime line? Imagine if in football they said, all right, well, you don't have to score a touchdown if you get the ball in overtime. You just got to make it to the 40. Yeah. Close enough, right? I mean, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's the same thing. I don't know. For me, it's a joke. Um, it's simple. I mean, the rule now is you got to make it to the white flag. Why the yeah, hell do, do, do we have it in the, in the back straightaway? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. At that point, either don't have overtimes or do it at the, at the at the white flag. Like, wh- why do we have to arbitrarily put in even other rule? And our friend Dalton Good says big shout out to Kevin Harvick for making the overtime line happen. Oh, you know what's funny the about that? Emoji. Yeah. You know what's funny about that? It's actually that wouldn't have happened if NASCAR, when the first crash happened, I want to say that they made another rule saying that. I know that we said, like, before the race, they said they wanted one green-white checker for safety purposes. I don't know what that even does. But they crashed coming to the green flag for the first attempt. And everyone's like, okay, the race is over. They said there'd be one, and that's it, right? Sure enough, NASCAR decides, hey, let's do another one because they, quote-unquote, didn't make it far enough past the green flag. Yeah. Yeah. So then the same thing happens again. They're like, okay, let's just not do a third one. Let's end it all together. Like, how can it happen two times? Yet one time you think it's okay, and then the next time you end it. And and that would have been that would have been great because it would have been the first time I saw Dale Jr. win in person. Because I still feel like Dale Jr. won that race, but it had to be fucking Joey Logano because Kevin Harvick had to pull some stupid shit. I don't think it was stupid. It was it was immoral, but it was actually. I mean, it was it was dirty. Like I don't think I would have done it. Well, it's the same sort of thing to spin it, right? Right, like it's dirty, but he had a point behind it all. Yeah, but, I mean, that's based on NASCAR with the playoffs, and that's just a whole different argument. I just want to thank Dalton uh, for for chiming in and also watching because uh, we were talking about doing this show and where we wanted to go with it, and you decided to tweet out a list of different stuff that we had already made points for for this show. So uh, thanks for helping us collect our thoughts there. so and uh, he come he chimes back in with I can't believe Harvick did get penalized for that, especially after hearing that radio chatter. So that's another thing I didn't actually listen to any of that because I was at the racetrack. So I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, but I think we'll, NASCAR we'll just, just said enough's enough, and they just gave up. Yeah, we'll move on to the next officiating rule that they they did, and that is the um, unlimited green white checkers. So we went from having one, like you said, Nathan to three, but at the overtime line, which three was the rule previously. And then we were like, oh, it's too much at the super speedways because we're damaging all these cars, to now having the ability to go unlimited. And, I mean, we saw this on Sunday, so that's why I brought this one up. I mean, how many cars can we wreck? That's basically what unlimited green-white checkered is to me. So I'll go ahead and say for me it's a joke. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Um, I like the three. I think that's a perfect number, you know. Like, it can get bad, but after the third one, you know, like, if it's just bad, just, you, you know, the race is over. Um, I think one would be a little harsh for the green checker rule, but I think if you're not going to end a race under scheduled distance, I think three is probably the way to go because it gives the guys one mulligan at least, and maybe two, but they never really got past one attempt that often. So I'm going to go the opposite end. I'm going to go woke. Um, if we want to be like sticking ball sports and if you're going to give them any attempts at a green and white checkered, 
figure it out. You know, we'll give you as many as you want until you stop wrecking. And eventually they are going to wreck enough cars that, you know, they're, they're going to have a final attempt. Um, I mean, I'm all, <laughs> I'm all for it. As long as they're going to go down this route of trying to be more like all the other popular sports and have overtime and playoffs, might as well make it unlimited. That's what baseball does. That's what basketball, college sports do. Um, Screw it. And, yeah. and to this point, yeah. we don't get much past two very often. I can think of one time in my life that I've seen four green white checkers. You know, so we don't yeah, we I don't much get past two or three anyway. Some of the races, I think the Xfinity race, twenty eighteen in Daytona, the one I was at, that one was like four or five. Um I think the twenty nineteen Daytona five hundred was up there. There were at least two in that one. I don't remember, but Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I just I don't know. I, I'm more of a racing purist, and I know we discussed this uh, the week after the Indy 500, but I, I appreciated that racing in under caution. And honestly, I don't think I would mind our races in an under caution again. We have a scheduled distance. Let's not go over the TV time unless we have to due to track maintenance or uh, rain. Um, I mean, that, that that's just me. And I know I'm in the minority there because people want chaos. That's what they come to NASCAR for. Even though, like I said earlier, I, I think that's more of a circus or a demolition derby uh, style than than true pure motorsport. So I, I don't I don't really like it. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I think if we're gonna right. race the Daytona 500, someone should win the Daytona 500, not the Daytona 512 and a half. I mean, hey, Hamlin's yeah. what? I think I think two of his three 500s are over 500 miles. Like yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a record that is. He's probably the only guy to win multiple Daytona 500s where at least two of them have come more than 500 miles yeah every single other ones you know it's either some guys have actually won less because of the energy shortages in the 70s but i don't think anyone's ever going to win like three or four daytona 500s all green wind chip yeah i I don't know that's an interesting stat it's not one that i really kind of respect but i mean of course that's the box that nascar has put us in as fans now the same thing with playoffs we've had them for seven years it's not going anywhere um, no matter how much uh, guys that are purists like myself uh, complain or, or whine about it. Um, so my last thing is something that we did see NASCAR back off of fairly quickly after trying it one season in the trucks, and that is the caution clock. Oh. 20 minutes, and oh. if there's no yellow flag, we're going to throw it. So, Nathan, I see you getting ready. Go ahead. This has to be the worst rule I think I've ever heard NASCAR ever do. And that's that's a really low standard. Like, you have to stoop really low to get there. But I don't think that's ever going to be topped. And I'm sure I probably just knocked on wood right there because you never know. Maybe next year they're going to do the caution clock, but every 10 minutes. So, I don't know. I don't like it. I think it was crazy because they basically, by doing that, admitted that, hey, all the debris cautions are fake. Like, all of them. They just basically, they sold out, you know. It's ridiculous to think that we have to do this because I don't think any other form of racing would ever want to do that. I'm not counting SRX, but it's just crazy. Yeah, I'm going to agree. This is the dumbest rule that I could remember NASCAR yeah. having. Um, I'm on the side of if you're going to do something like this, some super outlandish and have a rule about it, um, or any rule for that matter, let it sit for like three, four, five years. Quit. You're trying to draw new fans in, which is what they did this for, right? They wanted new fans to see, oh, hey, here's what they look like when they restart. You know, look how exciting this is. And then if you don't get a caution with the 20 minutes, we're going to reset it so you can see that again. Um, 
at least let something sit. Quit changing the rules every year because that's just driving people away. Um, the caution clock drove away diehard fans because I wouldn't want to buy a truck series ticket to go yeah. see them throw a caution every 20 minutes, you know? Like, what, what the, what's the point in that? Like, what's the point of me going to see a baseball game if every 10 minutes they're going to automatically give a runner, you know, give them a runner on first base? Like, what? You're taking away the yeah. competition side of the sport. So, I mean, yeah, to Nate's point, the dumbest rule that I've, I've ever heard of NASCAR coming up with. Um, so, I, I don't know, right? So, this is, this is weird for me. So, um, what? Just wait. <laughs> just based on your guys' response and, 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 and just listening to what you've said, the caution clock itself perfectly makes sense, right? It's a, it's a good rule. You see it at, at, at short tracks. They have a rule where it's after a certain amount of laps of green flag, we're going to throw a yellow flag, whether that's for um, pit cycles because we don't want to pit under green because we're a short track series and we don't have dedicated pictures or whatever. It's a fine rule. We're at a professional level, though, so it's a little bit different. So I, I, I do want to separate that. I think I think the idea is is something that that is used heavily in especially longer super late model and, and pro late model races all around the country, and it, it's fine. I think that 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 is what it is. But putting it on a timer is a little bit weird. So if they if they'd have done this at standalone events, I think I would have been fine with it. I think the rule itself was not that bad. However, going to a racetrack and seeing it at Atlanta when the trucks were going and they had two, I think caution clocks go off. I don't remember exactly what the terminology was. It was just like, okay, we're getting into a run. We're seeing these battles form tires are wearing guys are starting to come and go boom done. So I respect the rule, but I fucking also like do not want it for big league racing. Um, so I'm on the fence woke for the yeah. rule. Cause it works in situations. Absolute joke for speedway um, racing like we do in NASCAR. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, there is a, there is a time and a place for it, like the short tracks. Um, most of them come for pit cycles because they don't want guys pitting under green, um, going off and back on the track um, under green yeah. flight conditions, and then the whole live pit crew things. Um, so, that, I mean, that, that does make sense. But, again, to your point, it's a professional level. These guys have traveling pit crews, even if they just grab them from cup teams. Um, these are still guys that get paid to work on these cars and to change tires fast. Let's see what they can do. Let's not just put them on pit road for a, oh, you could lose five or six spots here. No, let's, if you make a mistake, you're going to go lap down. I've always been a fan of green flag pit stops. Right. So with that being said, we, we saw them try this. I know that people have said this before, but honestly, this was a stage. This was this trial for stage race. Oh, um, easily. Yeah. Yeah. So when we complain about, not getting these green flag pit cycles and stuff with stages. It, it's a direct derivative of, of the caution clock. And, and Colton, you made a good point. These guys get paid to do this. They get paid to pit the cars um, and, and the drivers get paid to drive their asses off for X amount of miles. So, I mean, how, do, how, how did they think this was a, a thing that fans wanted? First of all, how do we still end up with it today with stages? And I mean, I know we've said a lot of stuff about stages or not, but if you take a step back as a fan right now, are stages ruining your, I guess, 
luster for each of these events? Yeah, I would say to a certain extent. Yeah, I don't. I'm a long run guy, like I always have been. Um, I think it's fun seeing cars come and go. You know, some cars handling changes for the better. Sometimes it changes for the worse. You can see certain things like you know which guy has the best tire management skills. You know which you know which team is going to have the best on and off pit road or delta as they would call it. You know stuff like that that can win and lose races. You know right. if you're maybe half a second slower getting to the timing line to enter the pits, that driver could lose a race. If you're half a second or if you're half a second too fast, you're speeding. You know that stuff is cool to me. I think it's fun because. It put it makes the little things matter more, you know. Yeah. And taking that away by throwing a caution every so and so laps, it it prevents the possibility of that happening. And that's what I like. So I'm not anti stages. I'm anti stage right. cautions. Yeah. Um, exactly. I like the idea of rewarding guys who do good for the first half of the race or so um, with a little bit of a points bonus. But quit throwing the damn caution. All it does is yeah. reset pit cycles. I mean, you even look nowadays at the truck series on a, at a Watkins Glen. Everyone cut the stage short. Everyone pitted before pit road closed. And then Austin Hill was leading when he got onto pit road. And then he won the stage because everyone's just count. I mean, you're basically at this point just throwing a caution for nothing. Right. Um, and that's what, that's what it's going to turn into in the cup series even because every week we see more and more guys short pit the stage um, just because they'd rather lose the truck, lose the track position right when pit road closes than you know, lose it under caution when they can make a mistake and lose 20 spots really quick, um, especially road courses and short tracks and stuff, not not so much. Um, but, I mean, we're, we're going to see this in the Cup Series, just like when they did that qualifying format. We all knew at some point they weren't all going to make it to the line with that, you know, 10 seconds, 3 seconds, however close they cut it. They're going to – all the Cup drivers one week, sparring Anthony Alfredo, are going to short pit the stage, and we're going to see Anthony Alfredo or um, – Cody Ware win a stage in NASCAR. Yeah, we saw, what's his name, Andy Lally almost won him a stage this week. Right. Well, I mean, this week this week with Tyler Reddick and, and Austin Dillon, they both stayed out both end of stages Maybe because they were going for points, right? They did that because they were forced to do that because we have stage ending cautions, right? Mm-hmm. If we had wide open 82 laps there, who's to say that we don't have a different strategy? Right. Because we could make it, I think they said 32 laps on a tank. I'm not sure if we actually got to that point where we actually pushed fuel. But if they're able to go 32 laps, somebody might have been able to short pit, pit halfway in stage one and still win stage two and or win stage one halfway pit in stage two if we were green. And then they could both be battling like this all day and come out and have a have a good finish, and we could have seen even better ways. Um, road courses are affected by these the most, and then your flatter ovals are too, with, or I guess your super speedway ovals are too, no matter if they've got plates or not. So this weekend at Michigan, I think, is, is, is one of the tracks that it, it's affected by because it, it's so long. And, of course, Pocono and Indianapolis Oval were, were definitely ones that are affected by this. And – it took us how many rages, rages, stace, uh, how many races with stages, Jesus, that's a tongue twister, um, to get a good stage race at Pocono when Pocono used to put on fantastic fuel mileage races prior to stages? I don't know. Um, it's just like everything with the sport. At, at, at some point, we've got we've to realize that we're going the definite wrong direction. 
because it's like NASCAR is trying to make this for the guys with the with the drool hanging out of their mouth um, watching the race because they're they're they've fallen asleep and they want to hear the boom and bang uh, to wake them up to watch crashes or something. I, I don't know. They want to hear Rick Allen screaming um, so that they think it's exciting. Where as 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 guys like us, we want the real racing, just like the drivers, just like the teams want to go out there and compete on a level playing field, which stock car races bring and outsmart the guys because they either have better throttle management, a better pit strategy, better fuel mileage in their cars, what have you. And, and that's what we've been missing for the past, however many years, even before 2017 with the stages. Um, with that being said, that was the last one that I had. So Colton and Nathan, I know you guys brought some to the table as far as calls for NASCAR rules from NASCAR. Uh, so what do you guys got? Um, there's some interesting ones that I have that I've been that coming on my mind lately, but I think the number one that really bothers me is the case of um, the Brett Bodine North Wilkesboro win. Like there was a clear scoring error there. They knew they had messed up. Um, it was either Brett Bodine or Darrell Walsher was going to win the race. And naturally they give the win to Bodine and Walsher goes over to Bill Jr. And he says, Hey, I know I won this race. You know, is there anything you can do about it? And Bill Jr. says, oh, I know you won. He said something on the lines of, yeah, I know that you probably won, but he's never won a race, so we just decided to let him have it. Like, that that's so messed up and corrupt. Like, I, uh, even if the guy had never won a race before, would he really want to win a race that way? Like, and right. plus, you have to keep in mind, it doesn't matter whether the guy in second has won 100 races or he's won none. You have to do the right thing at the end of the day. If you know that Walter won the race, then give him his trophy. Like it's as simple as that. Like you have to do the right thing, and they didn't do that because they wanted a first-time winner. Yeah, um, I mean, I've got three. Nate, do you have a couple more? You want to switch off? Um, we can probably alternate if you want. So pull them up. the number one here I have because I had the Bodine scoring error. error damn it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was the qualifying format where they did the timed qualifying and try to make it like Formula One. Um, I mean, from day one, we knew there were holes in the system because stock cars don't drive like Formula One cars. Um, you know, they don't drive like Indy cars. They drive like stock cars. And so especially at the, the higher horsepower tracks, if you were, you know, towards the end, you know, let's say 30 of you were going out, if you were anywhere towards the front, or if you went out way too late, you weren't going to get a very good run. You kind of had to be somewhere in the middle where you could get that good draft and get a really good run off of someone um, into the corners and off of the corners. Um, I mean, so there were holes in that. And then you bring up the whole issue with Fontana that one year um, where none of them made it to the line in the final round. They all tried to cut it super duper short. Uh, and none of them made it in time. And then, you know, the fans were booing NASCAR. They weren't just booing Kyle Busch. They were booing NASCAR in the stands. Um, and then you get like the races on pit road where, you know, they were told stay in your lanes and guys would kind of like eke out and roll and eke out and roll, try to fake each other out. There were, I mean, this thing was a comedy show every week. That was one of the worst formats that I've ever seen. Um, um I think the group qualifying, okay, hold on, opinion, hold on. It only works with, with high horsepower, low down force. You know, right. So what I was going to say, Colton, you've got this wrong. You've got this totally, 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 totally. You do not have it wrong. Yes, you do. That format was absolutely amazing, except for at super speedways and like Nathan just alluded to, the 550 horsepower. Yeah, it works. The, the NA18 package ruined it. 
right? Right. So Except I remember going four. to Atlanta. I have never been as excited to watch qualifying when as when they had knockout qualifying because it was great because you'd see guys go out there do two or three runs. You'd be like, oh, shit, is he going to make it? And then Casey Kane's like 33rd, and he makes it to the second round. Yeah, and you're like, yes. Right. And then all yep. of a sudden, you know, you're waiting for pole and shit. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. The only thing I would change is that, you know, NASCAR qualifying when it was single car was always known for being one shot qualifying. Like you got one chance to win the pole and that's it. And I think you could do the group qualifying, but make it so that whenever you decide to go out there, it's your only attempt. But then the problem with that is what if you go out and you choose to go out and you run into traffic? So either way, I like group qualifying. I just, is whenever drafting comes into play, that's when it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, it works at road courses right now, too, because that's essentially mm-hmm. what we do. Um, so I I feel like it, it was working at short tracks and the mile and a half that we had um, before we had the janky-ass drafting package yeah. that we have now. It was it was, it was was fantastic. So, um, Colton, I think that you're looking with not necessarily, I guess, the opposite of rolled, rose-colored glasses on that because – you only remember the last few races that we had in, in 2018 with it. And um, with, with Colton uh, seemingly having some te- technical difficulties right now, uh, I would like to say um, there are uh, some interesting ideas you had there, Nathan, but I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. We can still do knockout qualifying with single cars, and I yeah. don't know why we don't do that. because I that's think what we do it do. in the super speedways. Well, we don't. Or we anymore. used to. Like at we one point to. they did, yeah. Yeah, we used to run for pole um, with the top twelve, uh, and even mm-hmm. at super speedways prior to that, they had the forty the something cars, like, the twenty four cars, and then the twelve cars. So I don't know why we we got rid of that. Um, I, I I think that's where we could what could easily make this more interesting, um, even if it's yeah. um, not the full field qualifying. Maybe you do like a certain amount of people are running on their practice speeds or nothing or something. Um, but with, with Colton still uh, being gone with technical difficulties, I guess I'll go ahead and ask you, Nathan, um, how did you feel about having uh, qualifying this weekend? I think it benefited some guys um, better than not. So are you looking forward to that being back full-time next year? Absolutely. I think it's fun. Um, I enjoy it. Obviously, the races aren't won on Saturday, but I think it's really cool to watch. Um, I, I every other series does it, so why can't we? You know. And Colton, are you back? There he is. I am back. Sorry, I just grabbed the Ethernet cable. I was sick of dealing. All right. During the I guess Nate, it's your turn. Uh, Knockout qualifying, stupid. That's all I'm going to say on that. I heard all you guys were saying. No, nope. not changed my mind. <laughs> Two laps. You would, okay? So if you would, if <laughs> if they were to bring it back in a single car fashion, you wouldn't watch it. I would absolutely watch it. Okay. You're talking about the Even, two laps, or are you talking about? No, I'm talking about let's say let's say they bring like like at at the Coke 600 this year we had qualifying. It was really really short because they only had one lap to go. Well, have had they moved only you, you know to a second and third lap for the top 24 and the top 12? Would you have watched that? Why not? Everyone gets two laps. Just like every other short track in the country, every other stock car race does two laps. Ah. Um, and I still, to this day, I go back and I have playlists on my YouTube channel of where I just, I have nothing but old Winston Cup qualifying because I like that two-lap two format. Um, especially now at Super Speedways, it's it's one thing, right? 
Um, but uh, did I just cut out again? No. Um, but what 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 you about the days where they had um, where they had multiple days of qualifying and and people had round two qualifying and stuff like that? It's not out of the question that they lock in the top twenty cars and they still have to go back out there and run run another time on 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 Saturday after going on Friday. Way back in the day. Prior to my favorite. Stuff. Ooh man. Other than like you know Monaco qualifying, where it's like you got these short rounds, knockout. You know, the the race really is one on Saturday at Monaco. That's probably my favorite qualifying to watch all year. Other than that, I would say my favorite is the Indy 500 qualifying. Um, you get four laps and not two, and it's crazy because you know all the drivers will tell you these are the 16 hardest corners that you'll take all month. You know, the cars are all trimmed out, and they have to make four perfect laps, and I think it's super fun to watch. And that works for any car. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a four-lap average, too, so it's a little bit. That's great. Like, you have to really nail it. I mean, I want to go to a racetrack, and I want to see three guys back in the fence driving as hard as they possibly can on their two laps. Well, that's not going to happen with the current package so that that then no, lies yeah, again yeah. with with the with the race cars themselves so we're just I think, qualifying races i don't know anything is better than that damn knack, knockout qualifying uh, I, we're just gonna have to agree to disagree we'll have to agree to disagree i mean i don't know i enjoyed indycar qualifying this weekend i always enjoy formula one qualifying i love knockout qualifying i think it's very good to make that part of the weekend to show too even if you may not think it's legitimate which I, I, I respect. Uh, in, in my opinion, it's no different than heat races uh, because heat races aren't really showing you the fastest car. Uh, it's just showing you who can who can do what and get lucky in six laps. So, um, Nathan, what's your, your next topic? Um, I would go with the Richard Petty, his wins, you know, the ones leading up to his 200th. Um, I want to say his win came at Charlotte. I, I would guess 1984. I don't remember how many wins he had that year off the bat, but – there was a win he had at Charlotte that was his 198th or his 199th win. And after the race, they found out that his engine was way illegal. Like, it was egregious. You know, nine times out of ten, they would instantly just take away all his points, take away whatever. But, you know, they didn't penalize him. They let the win stand. And this was back before disqualifications were a thing. You know, I was kind of curious to see where you guys stood on this because – it was clearly illegal. It wasn't like a small little thing that wasn't done on purpose. It was, I mean, it was flat out illegal. Like they spit in the face of the rule book. They didn't even try to hide it. Like that's yeah, well, okay. So let's look at NASCAR. They're always good for headlines. They want to feel good story and whatnot. And let's look who it was, the King. Um, yep. Well, when you've thought. got the King going for 200 wins and he's that close, I'm sure NASCAR wants to make merchandise Oh, yeah. I want to the press with 200 wins. So I think I think that's that's just that's just it. The the king got away with it because his name's Richard Petty and he's the yeah. most famous stock car driver ever lived, right? So mm-hmm. if he if he shows up with an engine that is is massive, who's gonna tell anybody? Right? Because I mean, I'm sure we didn't hear about this until later, right? Yeah, I would well, imagine and- so. This was peak Bill Jr. This was yeah. when the NASCAR was in the heat of win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Um, that's yeah. the main. They didn't ever take away wins in this era, um, ever. I mean, he wasn't the only one to get caught cheating super drastically. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't take away anyone's position. They just docked him points, gave him a fine, 
and call yeah, it good because they let it home. Yeah, seeing that they they knew who won the race, regardless of what penalties came out later. And that, I think, has the most to play into this, regardless if it was Richard Petty. Um, Lake Speed could have won a race with a you know 80 cubic inches over regulation, and they would have let the win stand. Um, I'm actually surprised more teams didn't just start saying, you know, fuck it, and just running whatever they brought to the track and saying, all right, well, we can make this much on purse, and we can make this much on sponsors, we can make this much on other deals and merchandise. You know, NASCAR's going to find us 50 grand, and we're going to call it good. We got our win. Sponsors are happy. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know if maybe it was a little bit of a camaraderie. I, I do realize that, that back then that the NASCAR drivers themselves, while they were innovating a lot, they were also willing to help each other. So it might have been some some sort of gentleman's unspoken rule or something that, that kept them from doing something like that. And, um, I mean – it's not like racing back then was any better than it is today uh, as far as, as as not having knockout dragouts. I mean, at that time, we were seeing races won by people by multiple laps over sometimes even the entire field. So yeah. um, it was just a different time. So maybe maybe guys were just out there trying to compete 600 miles and they didn't – five or 600 miles and they didn't want to spend the extra money uh, because – I know you said, you know, your example, you have $50,000, but some of these guys weren't making that much money um, because they weren't running all the races or or what have you because NASCAR would only pay you at the end of the year purse if you attempted to qualify each of the races. It's just a, a really interesting um, thing to go and look at that side of history and, and just how odd those years were. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um. The next one I've got on my list is the caution inconsistencies. I know this isn't really one rule that caused a lot of controversy, uh, but it's just the overall view of how – am I frozen again? Did I freeze again? Uh, okay. Yeah. You're, overall view your of face is frozen, but you're um, – I'm oh, sorry. Ah, well, I'll deal with the picture being frozen. Um, with NASCAR calling cautions incredibly inconsistently, even this last weekend – Truex wasn't a caution, even though he ripped the front end out of his car on the curb and spit debris all over the track. However, Brandon Jones saving a car that was, I don't know, maybe 20 degrees sideways was a caution. Um, we've seen yeah. it a ton the last few years, and it seems like it's evolving more and more each year. Um, they can't quite decide what is and what isn't a caution. Um, apparently, yeah, a truck me, stopped on the racetrack isn't a caution either, so I don't know. What... Yeah. I don't know. The for, the one that sticks out for me was the one sticking out from the side of Joe Logano's car at Talladega and how hilarious it was to have the camera on him um, with the jack still stuck under the car. And they didn't penalize him for it. They just let him come back in and take it out. And that was just hilarious to me. They didn't call the caution. Um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the inconsistencies is, is, is just a joke because – like you said, I mean, we, we saw a couple of years ago at Martinsville, one of the backmarker cars just get off of the concrete and into the asphalt on top of three and four, and they called a caution. Why? Right. Why? I mean, yeah, I there's so many examples. I could probably list hundreds, but we'd be here all day. Yeah, and – Debris cautions after debris cautions after debris cautions. I remember that middle part of probably 2006 to 
10, 11. We would get a debris caution at least once every race. And it would usually be around the same little mark of around 45 minutes without anything going on. Whether or not there was green flag pit stops or a battle on the track, it was just, okay, the leader hasn't been changed hands in a while, so throw a caution. Uh, I remember on the mile and a half, it was the worst. And in that era, in my opinion, the mile and a half racing was pretty badass with those COTs. So I don't know why they thought they had to do that. Nate, do you have one more? Um, you know, honestly, it's hard to think about because I feel like we've already talked enough about the yellow line one, so I'm not going to use that one. Um, I think some of the other ones, I'd probably go with the Daryl Waltrip one. It's not really an officiating controversy, but it's just super cool because, you know, there was an all-star race that he won where the engine blew like a second or two after he crossed the line. Um, I think nowadays had that happened, they would have torn that car down and tried to find every single illegal part there was in there. But back in the day, there wasn't really a sophisticated way to inspect the cars, so they left the beat. But I think that was super cool because, you know, in my mind, that was 100% intentional. You know, he's exploiting loopholes. And I think had it happened today, it would have been super crazy to watch the fan reaction. Yeah. Um the last one I got, actually, I'm going to change it last second. I had the constant rule changes like I alluded to earlier. Um, just pick something and stick with it for a few years. Let everyone kind of get used to it. Um, but I'm actually going to go with the Kansas race. I think it was 06 or 07. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Greg Biffle won due to darkness. Um, and you ran out of fuel, right? Rapshoes did a video on it, and it was awesome. Um, but the race was uh, yeah, 85 wins, Bobby Allison. Yep, not 84. Um, yeah. And Daryl, 85 with the North Wilkesboro thing. What'd you say, Alex? Oh, God. Gotcha. My bad. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the, the, the race was getting dark. Um, there was a, a spin out on, I don't remember if it was the white flag or two to go. I think it was two to go. Um, and uh, instead of throwing the caution and setting up a green-white checkered or anything like that, they kind of just said, F it, we're just going to let this race go, you know, finish under caution. But while yeah. they did, when they did that, Greg Biffle also ran out of gas, and he was passed by, I think it was Clint Boyer and Jimmy Johnson. Um, so they got to the line well before him, but by the time anyone realized what the hell was going on, he was already, Biffle was already doing donuts or parked in the grass. And so they just kind of said, F it, let the win stand. Um, but Clint Boyer should have one more win on his total because he yeah. definitely won that race. You know, the rule is you have to uh, get your car cross the line under power and you have to keep it going. Um, we saw this with Marcos Ambrose at Sonoma. Um, yeah. They didn't do it here just because they didn't want to cause any more animosity between the fans who were already getting pissed off that the race was dark. Sorry, Alex. Yeah. And um, I don't know. There's a lot There's a lot of those kinds of calls. Um, I, I think that this year with, with the darkness and the eight laps to go, we're going to call it at New Hampshire. Um and then, I mean, just overall, overarching with, with this year, just with the inconsistency, this is where we've kind of pulled together this episode for. I just I, I want to kind of recap everything that we've seen. Um, you know, like I just said, the New Hampshire going dark race, New Hampshire racing under the rain conditions, taking out two of your, your front runners for that race who were probably going to win it. Um, we have the Knoxville truck race just – utter clusterfuck Dakota wet racing, utter clusterfuck. And 
and then you know even as far as stuff doing uh uh bristol dirt race and stuff that was kind of unwarranted unwanted uh we had the tires blowing there and the 50 lap cap that came in during the race um all, all kinds of stuff there was the the tire at cost uh that 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 was a caution after green flag pit stops at kansas this year and um it's just been very inconsistent this year i think i'm fed up with, with it i know you guys are fed up with it but there's one thing that i think nascar um has befooled the whole history of the sport on and that was who is i want to say fifth in fourth and fifth in the um all-time wins list and that's bobby allison over daryl Walter. I mean, Daryl Allison and North Wilkesboro, like that was a, a, a clear win that got shafted from him too. So why not both of them? Eighty-five. Well, I'll, I'll explain. So Bobby Allison won a race, right? Mm-hmm. And he was not driving a Cup car. He was driving either a Grand American or a convertible or some something like that. And he won the race. He crossed the line first, but they did not score his win. While they did score a win for Tim Flock in the record books. Um, for him winning a race with a convertible car. Um, so that is probably the biggest joke that I've seen uh, from NASCAR officiating in the past. Nathan, um, kind of educate me on this North Wilkesboro thing because I've not heard about it. Yeah, um, it was weird. Like, obviously, the scoring error. I can't really explain what happened, but I want to say caution might have came out during green flag pit stops, and they couldn't figure out who was the leader. So they're like, okay, whatever, Bodine's the leader. He goes on to win the race. Walter's pretty mad. They told Walter that he had probably won the race, but they didn't want it to give it to him because, you know, Brett Bodine's a first-time winner. Let him have the trophy, you know. So I think, like you said, Bobby Allison's definitely an 85-time winner. Um, and then same with Darrell Walter. I think they both kind of got shafted at least once by the rules, and I'm sure there's a bunch more times that we don't even know about that weren't documented. Yeah, well, I mean, to that point, Bobby Allison still won this race. He outdrove everyone else. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Daryl Waltrip definitely could have gone on to pass Bodine and just claimed the win on his own. I don't remember how late the scoring error was. I just It was later. Uh, I remember right. I want to say, say if, I think it was about 40 laps ago because I feel like Larry yeah, it was Mack was talking about this on DJD mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Yeah, but, I mean, either way, I mean, they're they're probably both at eighty five. We really want to sit and look at it, um, but it's it's fun to sit around and say what if, you know, because you know they have kind of a bit of rivalry about it, you know. Yeah, oh, it's funny that um, I mean, that's something I didn't think of or remember. Uh, and you know, even if 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 that's the case that we do give Bobby the win, well, if we gave him the win too, then they're they're still stuck tied for fourth on the all-times win list. So I think it's a little ironic that that the two people who are stuck right there just under the podium positions for all-time wins are are tied no matter which way you look at it uh, if you really want to change some some results based on controversies. Um, but I think it's been a fun conversation tonight, guys. Um, uh, thanks for coming on. I know uh, Colton's been having some technical difficulties. I've been having some uh, speech difficulties. Um, so um, – Let's uh, do this again next week. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching, everybody for listening on Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts, or wherever you uh, listen to us. Um, And 
you know, join us on the conversation at Twitter at FanFuel MSM. That's capital F, capital F, capital MSM, FanFuel MSM. And then also uh, look on our Twitter. We have a um, a download there for you guys so that you can um, sign uh, up for getting a piece of your story onto our website, FanFuelMotorsports.com. We really want some uh, help with that. We've got a few uh, entries in already, and we can't wait to work with you guys on getting in stories about uh, your at track stories, history of the tracks around you, um, where where not to eat, stay, and, and sit at these racetracks, um, which parking lots park in, you know, any anything of that sport. So uh, please uh, go on the tw- go on our Twitter, hit that link, and uh, email us at fanfuelpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get you on the website. Um, you guys got anything else before we go? Um, I don't have any shout outs. Colton, you got any giveaways? Anything going on? I do not. I'm just about to unpack the rest of my giveaway stuff, so look out for that next couple weeks on the Twitter page. Um, I will be announcing a few giveaways here soon. Um, Other than that, I'm good. All right, right, and uh, thanks for all the guys that left comments today. I know Dalton, we we got you on here, so thanks for that. And we'll see you guys next week. All right, bye.